0: This episode is sponsored by World History Encyclopedia, one of the top history websites on the internet. I love the fact they're not a wiki. Every article they publish is reviewed by the editorial team, not only for being accurate, but also for being interesting to read. The website is run as a non-profit organization, so you won't be bombarded by annoying ads and is completely free. It's a great site, and don't just take my word for it. They've been recommended by many academic institutions, including Oxford University. Go check them out at worldhistory.org or follow the link in the episode description. In more ancient parts of the world, our ancestors developed methods For as they believed it, viewing the past, the future, and even contacting beings and entities, whether living or deceased. This was serious business, the way a priest interpreted a reflection could be the difference of life and death if you were the potential foe of an emperor. More recently, the Christian church and individuals such as the self-appointed Witchfinder General Matthew Hopkins. Accused practitioners of these rituals of heresy or diabolism. It's a charge that could lead to burning at the stake. But one academic, Italian doctor of psychology Giovanni Caputo, decided to examine one aspect of scrying, specifically mirror gazing. Now, if you have even the most basic grasp of physics, you might think it extraordinary to suggest. That you could look into a mirror, and in place of your own reflection, you might see that of a loved one, an animal, or even a complete stranger. But Dr. Caputo put this exact premise to the test. I interviewed him for this podcast, and his findings may well surprise you. In this episode, I explore science and scrying. But before we delve into the science, I wanted to gain an understanding of precisely what scrying is. It may have first been popularized in ancient Greece, where it's believed that in the temple of necromancy, people looked into a reflective bowl or chalice, and saw their own images evolve into images of other people or entities. These figures were, they believed, communicating from other realms. Remarkably. These types of practices survive today, even in England, despite the ravages of Matthew Hopkins, other religious zealots, and more recently, the relentless drive of secularism and humanism. One well-renowned practitioner is Lucia Starza, a published author and teacher from the College of Psychic Studies. She regularly shares her thoughts online through her Bad Witches blog what led you to scrying?
1: Well, my family were very much into all sorts of divination techniques, as well as folk magic. But my grandma was an astrologer and a theosophist. And my dad was really into all forms of particularly scrying, but also other things like dowsing and things like that. And so really, from an early age, it was kind of Part of everyday life Not that we did it all the time But for example on New Year's Eve Or at Samhain or Halloween We often do divination, and that could be scrying. One of the things that we used to use was a a big fishing float, a glass fishing float, and they were traditionally used by people who lived in coastal areas as crystal balls. My mother's family originally came from Cornwall. I don't know exactly how old the fishing float was. It's kind of part of my life. I will be honest and say that as a child, I wasn't particularly good at crystal ball reading. I was far better at other forms of divination, but I really wanted to get good at it. So I spent a lot of time learning, reading books, trying it out and learning techniques, which is why, because I taught myself and discovered ways of doing it, I started teaching workshops. Then someone suggested I turn my workshops into a book. So I ended up writing paper and portal scrying for moon books.
0: You said that your family would do this on New Year's Eve and so forth. Was this something where everybody was looking at it and seeing the same thing or just each person would separately try it and see a face or anything? I mean, how did it work on a practical level?
1: Generally speaking, it was people... Doing it individually and seeing their own things. Having said that, I have scried around a cauldron. I'm I'm a Wiccan, so I'm like a modern pagan witch. And I have scried around the cauldron filled with water on usually at Sawain with other witches. And it's kind of odd that sometimes you do see the same things as other people. Not always, but but you really can. You can sort of afterwards you describe what you saw, and it's often quite symbolic, but there was one occasion when me and a friend both saw this golden mask. I never quite It worked out what it was. But me and a friend both said, Oh, I saw a golden mask. It's like, Oh, we know that we've both seen it and weren't just copying each other because before we discussed it, we'd each spent some time making notes and drawing pictures of what we saw. And so when we compared them, it's like, Wow.
0: (laughs) From your opinion, then, when you are scrying the images that you see, where are they coming from?
1: I think. To a very large extent, and mostly, you're tapping into your own intuition. So subconsciously, on some level, you kind of, if you're asking a question, you probably know the answer. And you're allowing those answers to be revealed from your subconscious, a little bit like dream work. So on one level, I think that's a way it very commonly works. On the other hand, yes, you can also use crystal balls to communicate with spirits and mostly with the ancestors, with past loved ones and my grandmother and that kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, in the Middle Ages, it was really thought to be a really good way of communicating with angels. Crystal balls were thought to have the ability to kind of block out harmful energies and harmful spirits and to allow messages from angels to come through. Some people aren't very visual at all in the way they imagine things. They can visualise words. It could come to them as words. It can just be a kind of a certainty. I once, I just, got the certainty that a very elderly relative was going to an old people's home and was going to give me her dressing table. I mean, that's a pretty mundane thing. But then just a few hours later, I I got a phone call from this very elderly relative who who said she really couldn't cope on her own anymore. And she she decided she was going to go into an old people's home. And would I like her dressing table? It can be that.
0: Is this something whether like you or other people have been able to see things more tangible or more kind of dramatic as far as you know the future you know kind of fortune telling events happening things of that nature
1: yes and some of the things I'm that I've seen I'm not going to mention because they're public events and the problem is if you see a disaster that is going to affect the public you're very very unlikely to get on this date such and such is going to happen and this is going to be the cause and this is what can be done to prevent it if you see, for example, you see a fire or a, a, an earthquake or something, it's like, so, OK, I, I I think sometime in the future, somewhere in this world, there's going to be a really awful fire or there's going to be an earthquake. You feel like Cassandra from history because people think, oh, you, you know, you're bonkers, you're, a, you're just a psychic, you know, tell me where and tell me when and I wish I could. I tend to get more detail when it comes to personal events, things to do with my own family and things close to me. And that can help me to plan. If my mother got very ill towards the end of her life. And from scrying, I realised she probably only had about a year to live. And so I was able to like really look after her and keep her at home and care for her and, and make her last months as good as they could possibly be. Although it's, it's sad, everybody does have their time to go. I think if you can make their lives as happy as possible, I think that's the most important thing.
0: Scrying in its various forms has roots everywhere from Druidic Britain to Tibet. In the northeast of the US, another area once ravaged by witch hunters, Ellen Everett Hopman, author of books including Once Around the Sun, is a Druid priestess. Her own religious group can be found at tribeoftheoak.org, while you can read more about her personally at eleneverthopman.com. I spoke to Ellen last year for an episode about ancient druidism, but having discovered scrying was a feature of druidism. I asked her for her perspective on this subject part of the Druid tradition and it's also done by
2: witches and pagans, all kinds of magical people when they get training a little more advanced than the usual practitioner, <laughs> It's one of the skills that you learn as a magical person and it's a way of having an idea of what direction you're supposed to be going in in your life or answering a question, guidance for the future,
0: that kind of thing. Does that guidance, I mean, is this coming through visual representations of things that you see during the process?
2: One way of doing it is with your eyes. So what you do is you soften your gaze, and if you're looking at water, for example, I like to sit by a stream with uh, moving water and rocks. I find that works for me. I know that other people look into a bowl of water, but I can't really do that well with something like that maybe if there were pebbles in the bowl it might work but usually i like to sit by a live stream of water soften my eyes and gaze kind of at the surface of the water but not with focus it's like your vision is dispersed i've seen things i mean i don't know how to explain it like one time i was sitting by a waterfall and i was just looking at the surface of the water And all of a sudden, I saw this old woman looking back at me, and I could tell that she was Native American. And she had white hair, and it was kind of flowing. And years later, I mentioned this to a Native American man that I met, his face blanched, you know, he was turning white, like all the blood left his face. And he just stared at me. And he said, you met the creator, the Earth Mother. And he said, you must have Native American blood somewhere in you because there's no way you could have seen that. He said, that's only passed down in families. Nobody knows about this. I mean, he looked like he was gonna pass out. You know, I wasn't expecting that. I just went and sat by the waterfall and softened my gaze and I was looking at the surface of the water and there she was looking back at me. So that's just one example of fire. To me, is very easy. I don't know why. I mean, I can look at the embers of a fire and I always see things. I'll see animals moving. I'll see people talking. Very obvious, you know. And then crystals, in my particular druid group, and I can't speak for any other druid group or any other witchcraft group. or any, I don't know what they do. But in my druid group, one of the essential tools of a druid is... You have to have a crystal that you can scry into. So ideally, that would be a crystal that has imperfections in it so that light plays through it. And you can hold it to the sun or you can hold it to a candle flame. And again, you soften your eyes. That's what you do. And you look into the crystal and you see things. That's visual, okay? Now, Mm -hmm. some people use their ears. And for example... I was playing a drum. It was a shaman-style drum. And all of a sudden, I heard a woman's voice coming out of the drum. And she was singing a song. It was a Native American song, I could tell. I didn't know the words, but I was so surprised by it if I had had my wits about me and if it ever happened. Again, I probably should have been singing along. The drum was giving me the song. So that was through my ears. And then there's another technique, which is using all your senses, so your vision, your hearing, your touch, your breath. I like to use this one with trees. When I want to communicate with a tree, it's kind of like full-body dowsing, is how it's been explained. Mm -hmm. But you literally approach the tree, and you look to see what the leaves are doing, and you feel into the tree with your heart and your breath goes into the tree and you might touch it and you hear
0: it with your ears and all the senses come together and then you get a message and so the message is that just a thought that comes into your head presumably when
2: i was hanging out with the redwoods in california i was getting images they were sending me
0: pictures when you say like pictures was it you had your eyes open visual type thing like when looking into the water Or was that more of a mental kind of telepathic It was kind
2: of like telepathy. They were giving me messages, but they were doing it in pictures. That's how I interpreted
0: it. What type of messages were these?
2: Well, uh, for example, there is a weed that's very common in California, and it's called wild oat. They were showing me fields of wild oat. It's the grass that turned yellow in California Mm -hmm. in the summer. It's everywhere. It's not native. It was brought in. Wild oat is a flower essence, if you're familiar with the boxflower remedies or you know, flower essences, for people that need to find their purpose in life. So they were telling me that the reason so many people, you know, this was back in the late hippie days, you know, mm-hmm. that a lot of people were going to California to try to find themselves because the wild oat was drawing them there. So they could find their purpose in life, what they were supposed
0: to be doing. Going back to the visual scrying, when you talked about looking into the flowing water yourself, before your eyes kind of go out of focus, as it were, were you looking at your reflection or a reflection of something else? No, I was not looking at my reflection. I was literally looking at the surface of the water with a
2: soft gaze. uh And it wasn't about me, (laughs) it was about the water. And then this woman was looking back at me all of a sudden, there she was, you know, and it it wasn't about me. Mm
0: -hmm. It was
2: the Earth Mother Creator Goddess figure that was looking back at me from the water. You're getting into a different mode of perception, you're getting out of the normal, focused, day-to-day, looking at objects, connecting with astral vision or universal consciousness you know something Mm -hmm. like that it's a different way of seeing every person that does this is doing it for a different reason my preference is to go out in nature i'm a druid right we love Mm -hmm. trees and nature so i go out in nature and i don't necessarily in fact almost never (laughs) have a specific question i just wait to see what the universe brings me i actually run workshops on this i've taken people out in the woods and I introduce them to the trees and they go out, they get a message and they come back and then we share the messages that we got.
0: I've done that for years. Is there a skill in understanding the message that people have to learn or do most people, once they master the art of doing this, pretty much figure out the message themselves? They figure it out
2: themselves because they get the message that they need for whatever's going on in their life at that
0: moment. Having heard from the practitioners, it's now time to hear from the scientist, Dr. Caputo. His controlled experiment involved putting dozens of individuals in darkened rooms in front of a mirror and asking them to share what they observed. It was designed to mimic the kind of environment ancient scryers often used. If you're thinking the focus would be on if people saw anything other than themselves, you'll be disappointed as it quickly became apparent that the test subjects did see figures reflected who were not physically present. So it wasn't a matter of if they saw, but rather what they saw. Due to logistical issues, my conversations with Dr Caputo took written rather than oral form. So with this being a podcast, rather than seeming that I'm interviewing myself, I asked actor Oscar Wood to read a transcript of Dr Caputo's responses to my question. During your study in mirror gazing, what patterns or trends did you detect in terms of what people claimed they saw during the experiment?
3: Three types of illusions can be observed. 1. Deformations of facial features. 2. Detachment of the bodily face from the rest of the body, which both are visible in the mirror. 3. Apparitions of new identities who are often unknown and strange compared to self-identity these three types of illusions correspond to three types of mental processes the first is detachment of the external reality derealization hence deformations of the facial features and whole face gestalt the second is detachment of the internal bodily feeling depersonalization hence feeling of a presence of another individual who is perceived behind the mirror and has independent will and body ownership the third is compartmentalization of a dissociative identity that usually wants to convey its own narration and communicate something to the participant. Brain areas involved in face processing are very specialized in humans, so that strange face illusions are specific to faces. In general, the brain produces anomalous experiences in a condition of sensory deprivation, as is the case of continuous stimulation at a low illumination level. Two networks of brain areas, which are specialized in face processing, have been distinguished in previous studies. Such two networks can explain strange face illusions. First one is the core face network, which involves occipital temporal brain areas, in particular the right fusiform area in the temporal lobe, which is responsible of the representation of facial features and whole face pattern. Derealization can likely occurs within the core face network. Second is the extended face network, which recovers identity, either of the self or of the others. It involves anterior temporal pole and medial prefrontal cortical areas. Compartmentalization of a dissociative identity can likely occurs within the extended face network. Instead, depersonalization involves body awareness, which is processed within brain cortical areas such as the anterior insula, which is part of the salience network in the brain. There are substantial differences between individuals in the balance of the three types of illusions. In general, about 10% low scorers are perceive only 1. deformations of face features and 2. detachment of the bodily face while no dissociative identity gone. About 10% high scores perceive 1. deformations, 2. detachments and 3. dissociative identities with high frequency and strength and the rest of individuals show intermediate illusions of the three types. These individual differences set strange face illusions apart from classical visual illusions. For example, the Mueller liar illusion because the high degree of inter-individual differences are much more pronounced making strange face illusions more alike to visual hallucinations thus strange face illusions have the great advantage over the other classical illusions to allow for differentiating individuals for diagnostic purposes
0: were any types of people for example people with particular mental health problems more or less likely to perceive different faces or images.
3: Schizophrenics were much more prone to the first type of illusions with huge deformations of face features and whole face, that is derealization, compared to healthy controls. Schizophrenic patients would often react very strongly to mirror gazing. Unlike healthy controls, many schizophrenics start to perceive face deformations after a few seconds of mirror gazing, and they also experienced strong depersonalization. For example, some schizophrenics complain about not being able to stop moving their mirror image mouth, whereas in reality, their bodily mouth was completely still. Another interesting finding is that some schizophrenics perceived the mirror filled with many strange faces of other individuals that surround the patient's face. This kind of illusion was never observed in healthy controls. Major depression patients instead perceived only faint illusions compared to healthy controls. For example, patients with major depression perceive only a tenuous color change of the skin or the hair. Hallucinogen drugs and the chronic usage of drugs make obviously an effect on strange face illusions, in particular increasing dissociative identities.
0: On a scientific or biological basis, what do you think causes this phenomena?
3: These mirror illusions can likely be explained on the basis of known neurobiological knowledge about specialized brain areas that are involved in face processing. Face processing is truly important for human beings because of its relevance to interpersonal and social behaviors. On the other side, much work has yet to be done in order to discover new and presently unexplained unconscious phenomena such as projection of other strange identities into the mirror image. In addition, the projection of non-human beings into the mirror image remains unexplained, In other words, whereas deformations of facial feature and of the whole face pattern can have an explanation on the base of current neuroscience, instead other aspects of strange face illusion still wait for adequate explanations.
0: There are people going back to ancient Greece and even today who believe these images are somehow spiritual or otherworldly. And I did try to replicate your experiment myself. And in my opinion, the distortions and faces that I saw and I did see various ones, with the result of my eyes going out of focus, but still focusing on one facial element, for example, my eyebrow or the side of my mouth, since the faces I saw all seemed to have some element in common with my own face, like, for example, my nose. So my thought is that my brain, having lost focus, tried to use my memory to fill in the rest of the picture, as it were. Extrapolating from that, and again, obviously I'm not a scientist, I'm not a spiritualist But my thought would be if a particular aspect of your face, like your nose Lingered on after your eyes went out of focus There's a pretty good chance you might have a nose that's a little bit like your father or your grandfather's nose And so when your brain tries to fill in the picture If you have a subconscious memory of that relative You might end up seeing something that looks like that And from your report, I read that a lot of people claim they did see dead relatives and so forth. Do you think this is just an optical brain biological process rather than anything
3: supernatural? Spirituality is an important human factor, which goes truly far beyond any mechanistic explanation. Your explanation applies well to the first type of illusions, which are classified as 1. Deformations of facial features deformation of the whole face and scrambling of facial features within the whole face as in the previous three-type classification of illusion. Let you remember that one deformations can be only one type of illusion. Instead, apparitions of a child, archetypal faces, or non-human faces are difficult to be explained from a mechanistic viewpoint. In addition, it is a common experience to perceive the strange other wanting to communicate something to the subject often by moving lips or by drifting the eyes autonomously. This feeling of autonomy and independent will, by strange dissociative identities appearing in the mirror, produces a strong sense of fascination, so-called absorption in psychology, upon the subject who perceives them. All these properties of strange dissociative identities might explain why some people believe that these apparitions behind or beyond the mirror can be supernatural encounters.
0: Having heard the view of the scientist on the spiritual, I'll wrap up this interview by doing the opposite. Lucia, it's been suggested, and I have this suspicion myself, having done a rudimentary experiment in a dark room looking into a mirror, that what I saw, and I suspect what other people saw, may have been something from our subconscious, pulling pictures from our minds of people we know, people we've met, rather than some kind of external force, be it a spirit, an entity or what have you. What do you think about that perspective?
1: If you're in a darkened room with a reflective or refractive object for at least 20 minutes, that is when things mostly start to happen. The thing is, scientists don't know exactly what is going on they don't know exactly what's going on in the brain so and it can be interpreted in many different ways so yes absolutely it can be your own subconscious filling in the gaps and giving you symbolic things or allowing you to see an ancestor on the other hand a lot of people certainly historically i mean i think they were first recorded in greek and roman times they believe that they were getting contact with Past relatives who were past, and I wouldn't like to rule that out because I don't think it's been categorically proven one way or the other that it's always one or always the other.